Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, let's give the Lord another round of applause tonight. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. We welcome everyone tonight to our Wednesday evening Bible study. So glad to have everyone that is here, our online congregation. We welcome you. Amen. We're so glad to be in His presence one more time. We're in His presence. There is fullness of joy. Not as right then. There are pleasures forevermore. Not for some time, but forevermore. We're honored to be in His presence. Amen. To worship Him one more time. Amen. We're thankful for what God is doing in the time and the hours that we're living in. Amen. I'm so glad that I know Him for myself and we are a part of a great, big, happy family of God. We have been washed in his fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join here with Jesus as we travel alone. It's an honor to be in his presence tonight. We're going to invite everyone to stand with us. We're going to pray and get ready for service tonight. Amen. So glad to have our missionaries with us tonight. Amen. We pray that the Lord will bless them and use them tonight for his glory. Amen. Praise God. So if there's anyone with a special request, we're going to ask you to raise your hand tonight as we pray. As we're getting ready to pray and ask the Lord's will to be done in our service tonight. Let's look around. There are a few hands going up. Amen. Amen. As we pray tonight, we want the Lord to have his way in our midst and in the service tonight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and pray tonight as we pray. Eternal God and our Father, we love you. You are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord God, for this another privilege and opportunity you have given unto us to gather together one more time in your presence, Lord God, where we can worship you, Lord God. We ask you, dear God, that you may forgive us for every sins that, oh God, we have committed in your sight knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all filthiness, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to purge us, Lord God. Help us to be whiter than snow, Lord. We ask you to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Cast not thy presence away from us and take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Lord God, we are here to adore you. We are here to exalt your name. We are here to lift up your name. Lord God, we are so grateful, Lord God, for you make it possible for each and every one of us to gather together one more time in your presence to worship you, Lord God. As we pray tonight, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, to touch every person that raised their hand tonight, Lord God, whatever their needs are tonight. We ask you, Lord God, if it's spiritual, physical, emotionally, or financially, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that you will meet them, oh God, where they are tonight, Lord. Father God, as we gather, Lord God, to lift up your, your name tonight, we ask you, Lord God, to touch our online congregation tonight, Lord God, that you will touch their hearts, oh God, their minds, whatever the needs are tonight, Lord God. You will fulfill their needs tonight, Lord God. Father God, as we pray for those that are traveling, we ask you to bring them here safely, Lord God. Help us that when we leave here tonight, we can say, we're surely good for us to be here, Lord God. We ask your anointing, oh God, upon every aspect of this service tonight, Lord God. We ask you to continue to bless our pastor, Lord God. Continue to use him for your glory. Lord God, we pray for our missionary tonight, Lord God, that you will touch them 
them individually and collectively that your anointing will be upon them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord God. Move among our praise singers, Lord God. Oh God, individually and collectively, Lord God. I pray you will touch our individual ministry. Bless every aspect of the service, Lord God. Touch those that are sick in their body, Lord God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll continue to fulfill, oh God, the promises that, oh God, that you already, oh God, started, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to help us, Lord God, to continue to commit ourselves to you. We ask you, Lord God, that you continue to bless, oh God, our congregation, continue to send us souls. From the east, the west, the north, and the south, we ask your will to be done, Lord God. For we know it's not our will, but thy will be done. Father God, we come at this service to you and in your hand tonight, Lord God. Move among us, oh God, as we say thanks. Oh God, in advance for what you're about to do tonight, as we say thanks in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Let's continue to praise and worship the name of Jesus. How many know the promises of God still stand today? Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. He's never failed me yet. He's been so good to us. Better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. You know, I was just talking to Brother Calvin the other day, and um, we were just talking about, and him and I can relate, I'm sure there's others that can relate, but there are some of us that was, um, you know, sheltered <laughs> growing up, and you don't know too many things that's not good. Uh, but Brother Calvin and I know some things that just weren't really good. And um, <laughs> we've lived a life where God has brought us from just where we were to where we are today. And we were just saying how if you ever come to find out what we know in living for God, we're not talking about people, and, and this goes for everyone, but, but, but people like Brother Calvin and myself, we're always skeptical. You know, you always got to watch your back. You always got to feel people out. You got to make sure stuff is legit. We just don't mess around with too many things, you know. We, we always careful. And so for people like us to get saved, Brother Cal, I tell people all the time, if you don't know if Jesus is real, just come take a look at me. And you might not know because you don't probably know everything about me, which makes sense. But for people like me and Calvin and some of you, you know Jesus is real. <laughs> you know Jesus is real because there's no way we will be living for some okie doke God. From some, for some God that haven't proved himself. We would just never do that. <laughs> we grew up in an era where people went to New York City on Delancey Street and Orchard Street to go buy stuff. And they used to sell you fake chains back then. And the chains were so fake that you didn't know if you don't know. If you didn't know the streets, you didn't know. So they would get the chain, and they would bring it to you, Sister Ritter, and they will have a lighter in their hand. They'll burn the chain, and it wouldn't change color. Real, 14 carat. Some people got tricked, but we didn't get tricked. Back then, we used to wear leather pants. I did. Leather jackets. I used to walk in the club with my leather pants, my leather jacket. But if you didn't go to the right place, they will bring the leather to you. Pull a little fire by it. See, it's real leather. And if you don't know real leather, you're going to buy it. So I'm just here to tell you, if we living for Jesus, please just know he's real. Because we would not follow some crazy, okey-doke, false, crazy God. We just could not do that. Because we tested everything in the era we grew up in. And we tested and tried Jesus to know how real he is. To know how good he is. I wish everybody would get a chance or give the Lord a chance to know how good he is. 
Brother Calvin went to um, Crest Papers the other day. And Brother Calvin didn't know Brother Bob. And Brother Calvin went to Crest Papers. And whatever he's negotiating, the guy said, um, you're from Christ Center Church. Oh, I got to give you a big discount. Poor Brother Cal. He, he don't know anything. He didn't know when Bob was here that Bob repented of his sins, got baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, living his life, got cancer and died. Calvin had no clue about all that. Had no clue that we buried Bob and all that stuff. And so he showed up at Crest Paper the other day. Try to get some stuff. And the guy said, because of your church, your pastor and some good people in there, I'm giving you a big discount. Nothing that he knew. He didn't, he wasn't trying to get a deal. But just conversation, the guy knew what church he was from. Here we go. And all we can say is, how can you not live for God? Nothing he did when he was around. And he showed up on the scene and reaped the benefits. And these are the kind of things we, we said, we're not serving God for the blessings and the benefits, but my goodness, isn't it good that as you serve him, there's great blessings and benefits that comes with serving the Lord Jesus Christ. He is good, church. He is good. And sometimes while we can witness and tell him our story, the best thing I think we can tell him is just try him for yourself. Just give him a shot. To see how real he is and see how good he is. And when you give him that shot, I guarantee you, just like me, you'll realize, oh, I don't want to live life without him. I don't want to live life without Jesus. I don't want to live life without Jesus. And so I thank him for his goodness and all he is doing in our lives in this church. And tonight we have a missionary with us. And every time I get missionaries, I can't help, I start crying. Don't know about you. But I always look where they're going, the people that they're reaching. And I think about, man, are we really helping? And the missionaries are so kind. They tell us that, you know, we're partners together. Yeah, I guess to some extent that's legit. But what they do, we're not doing. It's just a fact. What they have given up and sacrificed to do what they do, we're not doing. And the least we can do is when they come, is come and support them, pray for them. If we can give, give to them. Because what they are doing, most of us don't do. And most of us won't do. It's not like somebody called them up and says, Hey, brother, sister, Ritter, we're going to give you a half a million dollars to go someplace to reach the loss. And uh, when the money run out, we'll give you some more. That's not how it goes. There's something that we call in our organization deputation. And they have to travel around the state to preach and minister, in some instance, sell stuff to try to raise the money that they're going to use to do the work that they have to do in that country where they're going. That's no joke. That's, that's serving the Lord. And so every time I encounter the missionaries, I'm like, what am I doing, Lord? And then they will be so kind to remind us that without our giving and our sacrifice, they're not able to go and do it. And I guess that makes us feel just a tad bit better. Just a tad bit. But I so appreciate the missionaries. I really do. I think they're the best and the greatest people in this world that's walking this earth because they go to places 
And and tonight we have a missionary. I don't want you to, well, you're not going to get up here. But we won't say what country he's going into. But he's already in one country. And the country he's going to is what we call access challenge. Which means uh, we probably shouldn't go there to preach the gospel. Because if we're found out, we can pay a big price. But they still put their life on the line to go to a country that says, don't come here with your gospel. Don't come here with your message. We don't want that message. And that's what the government and the rulers of those countries are saying. And we're praying and we're saying, God, still open the door because everybody needs to be saved. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. And so we're praying. And as God opened doors like these, men of God and their family go right in and they go in and trust God to work in their life, to do the work, just so somebody can hear the gospel and be saved. I love our missionaries. I just got to tell you, I think they're just most awesome people in the world. So many of them, when they finally get the call to go, you know what they do? Sell their homes, sell their vehicles. If they're going to buy something and drive around, they'll cash it all in and says, okay, let me get this so we can drive around. How many of us are doing that? Why? And so I respect, I respect our missionaries. They're just wonderful, outstanding people. And so we're going to have our missionary to come tonight, um, the Ritter family. Brother Tony, Sister Sarah. Brother Hody, and they changed little Clover name to Clover. Well, her mommy tried to get her to keep her real name, but everybody else made her Clover, and she just so, she's just so awesome. Clover, you're the star. You're the star. We're good to have you. We're glad to have you, and uh, we're so glad to have your family here tonight. Hallelujah. You have a, this is Brother Ethan's mic. We want you to support the Ritter family. He's going to minister here tonight. And I want you to hear God has placed something on his heart. And I don't want you to have any pre-notions. I just want you to let God speak to your heart. Let God touch your heart and let him minister freely. I believe God is going to do something fantastic, miraculous. This week, our, our weekly, our morning prayer for this week has been miracle signs and wonders. And now we have a man of God that God has sent here. And he's going to minister, and I believe we can experience miracles, signs, and wonders before he leaves here. It's a miracle that he's in the country, going to the country where he's going to. That's a miracle. We've experienced miracles, but that's a miracle. And so he can speak about miracles. Welcome, Brother Ritter, to the pulpit, and let him minister tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That sounds good. I'm going to put this microphone down, and let's give the Lord a hand clap together. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a good God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From there. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated if you can. You can stand up if you want. I'll stay standing for now. Well, we're originally from Georgia. I want to say that right out the right out the gate, right in the beginning, so that Y'all already wondering, hearing me talk up here. We're from Georgia originally, and um, 
Lord has called us to the nation of Chad. And, and uh, so we, I, I am so thankful to be here with you all in, in New Jersey. Uh, this is our first stop here in north central New Jersey. We passed through New Jersey, Delaware area uh, further uh, over a few months ago, I guess. But this is our first stop here in this district. And I think it's a wonderful way to start out our deputation here in the north central Jersey district. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be here. I want you to know it really is an honor for me to stand here before you. Um, I don't take this opportunity lightly, and so I'm honored to be here with you you folks today. Some of you I've met, many of you I've met already, and, and the rest of you I hope I get to meet after service. Don't run off too quickly if you don't have to. I would love to meet you after service. But uh, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, the invitation. Thank you for your attention tonight. Uh, we are the Ritter family. We're, we're mi missionaries to the nation of Chad. Uh, this is in Central Africa. In 2019, we started working in uh, West Africa, actually, in the nations of Mali and Benin. And these are West African nations. And, but we have been newly appointed to the nation of Chad. Uh, Chad is a brand new field for the for the apostolic faith. It's a brand new field. Um, until this year, there had never been a resident missionary in Chad, and there are still yet no apostolic churches there in this nation. So there's a lot of work to do in this country. Amen? But it's a new, exciting, open door to the gospel. Praise God. Uh, Chad is a it is a majority Muslim country. It, uh, as Pastor mentioned, it, it's located in uh, Central Africa. I said that right. It's in the Sahara Desert, in the Sub-Saharan Desert, and it has this strict Muslim government that um, you know they have given people some some trouble. They've given Christians trouble over the years, and we'll have to be a little wise, Pastor, about our visa paperwork, you know, and. And uh, we'll go in there as teachers, and, and that's all right. We're teachers. Amen. I tell them that I have no problem putting teacher on my visa application because there's about 66 books that I do a lot of teaching out of. Amen. All the time. <clears throat> this is a security-sensitive nation. It's a, it's a nation in extreme poverty. It, it is one of the poorest nations in the world. It has the lowest life expectancy in the world. If you look up the the lowest what the the rank of the life ex, world life expectancies you're going to find in most uh, most statistics that Chad has the number one lowest life expectancy at 53 years old is the life expectancy. Now in the U.S. our life expectancy is about 79 right now. Chad is the lowest in the world at 53. This is a result of many things. I, I would say poverty. Uh, people are dying so young in Chad because of the poverty, because of a lack of basic needs, because of a lack of, of, of health care education, but also health care itself. It, it is a very dire situation there. I believe that this low life expectancy is also a condition of uh, a result of extreme living conditions. I mean, almost everything about this nation is extreme. The climate and the heat is extreme. About 111 degrees is the average temperature. There's, ex there's drought in this country. There's violence in this country. There's instability in this country constantly. 
But ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has called us to bring the gospel to these people. He has called us to help plant an apostolic church in this nation. God has called us to help pioneer an apostolic Bible school system in this nation for the very first time. The gospel has for centuries, for centuries, millenniums, I could say, made a profound difference in every country and culture that where it has been declared and obeyed, we see the gospel has made a difference and it will do no less in Chad. The saving gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems of individuals. The saving gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to the problem of societies and cultures and even nations. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And the gospel right now is very rare in Chad. It's very rare in Chad, but that's changing. That is changing. I'm telling you before long, you're going to be hearing news of churches being planted in this nation. Before long, you're going to be hearing news of apostolic revival being poured out in this nation. Before long, you're going to be reading reports of miracles and signs and wonders among the Chadian people. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody might say to me, well, well, this guy sounds mighty sure of himself. No, sir. No, ma'am. I am sure, but it's not in myself. I have faith in God. I have faith in God. This is God's call. This is God's mission. Amen. I, what I do have, Pastor, is a very clear call. God has, I've made certain that we're called and God has verified that and and then he has given us the power of his spirit amen but this is his mission this is his call these are the these are his people who he's trying to reach and and bring near to himself it was Jesus in fact who said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it so Jesus is going to do it and we are just going to put our faith in him and make ourselves available to him and and you're going to see it work out you see faith doesn't need to know how there's a lot of you can sit down with me and I've had People ask, well, you know, I have some ideas. We have a plan. We've been doing a little work in, in this part of the world. So I have some ideas of, of, of you know, a strategy, a plan. Of, of, but ultimately, I don't need to know how before I'm going to act. I, I don't need to know how it's going to all work out before I step in because all faith needs to know is who. I said, faith doesn't need to know how. If you really have faith, all you need to know is, is who. Hallelujah. It's him. If it's him telling me to go and do. If it's him, if he is the who, then I'm going to go and do it. And it's going to work because of who. It doesn't matter how. It matters who. It doesn't matter how, ladies and gentlemen, it matters who. If it's God, listen to me now, if it's God that has promised you something tonight, if it's God that has promised you something 20, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, then you need to go ahead and start preparing 
for that. You need to go ahead and start aligning yourself and participating in, in that promise. Because it's coming to fruition. How do you know that, preacher? I haven't even told you what my promise is. I don't need to know. I don't even need to have an idea of how it's going to work out. Because if it was God that promised you, my faith stands in who promised. Praise God. If God is impressing you to do something, whether great or small, I want to tell you tonight the best thing that you can do. Hear me very well. If God is impressing you to do something, whether it's great, whether it's small by, by man's measure, by us, by your estimation, you need to go ahead and obey that impression. You need to go ahead and obey that voice and leave the results to God. That's faith. That's faith. Faith is when we do what God is directing or impressing us to do, and we leave the results to him. Is that too simple? You're going to hear me say that over and over. I want you to walk out of here tonight with with that in your mind. Faith is doing what we feel God is impressing us to do, and then leaving the results to him. Faith, because it's not about how. It's not about the results, actually. It's not about what, and, and it's about who. Has God promised it? Is it God? Is it God impressing you? You know what His impressions feel like. You you know what the urging of the Holy Ghost feels like by now. Praise God! Can we read a few verses of Scripture? Eleven, uh, Hebrews eleven, verses one and two and six. So verses one and two, and then I'm going to read verse six, and and you'll recognize these verses. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is quite simply saying that faith will become tangible. It will become that that substantial thing that you can put your hands on. It, It becomes the substance of hope. See, hope means it's not there yet. Hope means it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't yet materialized. But, but faith says you'll have some, you have some substance in the meantime. There, there's something very real in the meantime, and that is God, the one who has promised the hope. Faith is the substance of hope, and it is the evidence of what you cannot see. And then verse 2 says something so important. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. The elders gained a good report. Listen to me. Not by how. They didn't gain a good report by what. They didn't gain a good report by planning and and having it all programmed and figured out in advance. It says the elders gained a good report by faith in who? Who promised it? Who's asking it? Who's impressing me? Who's telling me to, to, to sell everything and go over there? Who's asking me to, to walk over to my brother and sister and lay hands on them? Who is it that's asking me to go next door and, and knock on that door and ask them if they want a Bible study or if they need prayer? Oh, if it's God, you better do it and leave the results to Him. Then verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Wow. You cannot please God without faith. You absolutely cannot 
please God without faith. This passage is also suggesting that you will not have a good report like the elders did without faith. Are there any elders here tonight that have come this far by faith? Are there any elders in this place that can testify that you have come this far by faith, not always knowing how, not always knowing what, but knowing who? Praise God. That's faith. You know, Habakkuk and Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, all four different times in four different places in the Scripture, it says the just shall live by faith. Faith. Now, I know our human nature likes to live by logic, and, and we like to live by planning and programming, and, and I'm not against that. Hear me. But it never needs to take the place of faith. When God starts speaking, when God starts moving, even if it does not make sense to you, when God starts impressing you and, and, and dealing with you about making a step, about, about doing something, you need to obey And leave the who and the what and the planning and the programming for him to sort out. He'll do it. That's faith. James says in in James chapter 2 verse 17, even so faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead, being alone. So often times we think of faith as as being, there's there's a belief element to it, but that's not all. Because in the New Testament, there is no believing without doing. Truly, when you look up the Greek, when you look up the Greek, every time the, in the New Testament it's talking about believing or a believer or, or to believe in something. It, it is not just a mental state of mind. It, it's not just something that's up here. But believing is always associated with doing, with responding. If you really believe it. You're going to invest. If you really believe it, you're, you're going to step out and, and do it. So James says it this way, and he says this three different times in James chapter 2. Faith without works is not faith. Faith without a response is dead. So in other words, it's not faith at all. Faith requires a response. This is why I'm saying to you tonight, faith is doing. What God is impressing you to do, what God is directing you to do, leaving the response to him. And we lived in Charleston at at one point. This was 2010 or 11. And I was in the military and we were stationed in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a big church that we attended there. A lot of people, there were quite a few people that we didn't um, know very well. Sometimes you go to church and there were people that you'd been going to church with and never really have, have met very well. And anyway, I always enjoyed working the altars, you know. Uh, and so there was one morning, one Sunday morning that I was in the altars praying and I just began to pray for a lady whom I had never spoken to before at this church. I had seen her there at the church and I began to pray for her, and the Lord impressed me with this. As I began to pray for this lady, I didn't know this lady. But God spoke into my spirit. He impressed in my spirit and said, 
tell her that I'm going to heal her from diabetes and pray for healing for diabetes. I didn't know this lady. And I'm going to be honest with you. In my flesh, I sized her up. She don't even look like she's got diabetes, Pastor. Nobody wants to make, be made to look like a fool. See, that's, that, I, I, got to start, I started worrying about the results. If I respond, how? How's it going to work? And, and in my flesh, I started looking at it. She, she was an older lady. Okay, check. But she, she was a fit lady. She was a petite lady. And I, and I started, in my flesh, started reasoning out. And, you know, and this didn't last very long, but I'm being truthful with you. I did. And, and yet... I felt the very sure impression of the Lord. Pray for diabetes. Let her know. Go in and let her know I'm going to heal her from diabetes. So I responded that day. I don't always respond. I haven't always, but I did that day. And I told her that. Prayed for her. Sister, I don't know you. You know, I told her my name. And I'm going to pray for healing for diabetes. And God told me to tell you he's going to heal you from this diabetes. And she really reacted she didn't say anything back to me but there was a change in that prayer i could tell i was encouraged by the way that she responded that something she heard that she liked something that she heard it wasn't like a kind of thing thank god well we didn't talk afterwards we left service and and uh you know you know how it works the devil's playing in my mind that lady don't have diabetes you false prophet in her ear, etc. So I went and I wrote it down in the calendar. I said, no, 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 no. I know when God's impressing. I know what. And I wrote it down in my calendar. February 5th, God said he's going to heal this lady from diabetes. Well, next Sunday came and the Sunday after that and after that, five months passed, folks. I seen her in church and she never approached me. I never approached her. Five months went by. I didn't speak to her again. She didn't come and speak to me again. There was there was no over the following the next few weeks, no excitement, no revelation, no testimony in church given about healing from diabetes. She walks up to me after five months in the hallway. She found my family and I. She walks up to my wife and I and says, She's got a young man with her. She says, You probably don't know me. Can you imagine? I didn't say it, but I wanted to say, you have no idea. <laughs> you probably don't know me. She said, but, you know, several months ago, you prayed for me and told me God was going to heal me from diabetes. She said, I have been severely diabetic for many years. And, and, and recently, I have noticed that the numbers have improved. So I went to the doctor and had a full blood work, had all my blood tested. And the doctor came back in the room and said, according to your results, I can't tell that you ever had diabetes. Hallelujah. She said, my son has never been to church. And after this, he's came to church with me here today. I'm telling you, when you respond to the impression that God is giving you, it's going to affect more than just you. It's going to have a ripple effect. His glory is going to spread and it's going to touch those around you. You never know what faith is going to do in Benin, this little tiny West African country, 12 million people that we were most recently. Most of the things we have for sale today are from Benin. Beautiful, tropical uh, West African nation, also third world, very poor, but oh, we have some thriving churches there in Benin. And uh, 
One day I was out at the Bible school and uh, a young man came to me. His name was Kosi. And uh, he began to speak to me about his showing me his wrist. And my goodness, his wrist was was abnormally swollen. He had some kind of disease. I don't even know what it was or infirmity in his wrist. And it was about twice the size of what it should have been. Kosi was a young man. He had two small children. He was married. And he began to explain to me, he said, missionary, this is hurting so bad. I, I, I can't articulate my wrist or move it. I have not been able to work because of it. Uh, he rode a moto. That was his, fa- his whole family's main mode of transportation, a motorcycle. He said, I can't even get around now or, or I'm not mobile because I can't move my wrist like this to operate that, that moto. And, and that I'm not sleeping well at night because every time I fall asleep and move this wrist, the pain wakes me up. And I said, well, let's pray. Let's pray. I, you know, I don't, we don't know what it is. There's so many things it could be. I laid my hands on him. At this time, I say, I, I don't know. We prayed. I prayed a very simple prayer of faith. This was on a Friday. And do you know what happened right after I got done praying for him? Nothing so far as I know. Is that the right message? Make sure I was telling the right story. That, yeah, that first time I prayed for him, nothing happening okay well let's hurry up fast forward past that part two days later on a sunday we were having church nearby where kosi lived kosi michelle is his name we out in the village i I mean a a, just a thriving church but a village church no electricity uh and and so i was there on the platform and church had already begun and and the west africans always have such a wonderful beautiful vigorous form of worship and that's what we were in the middle of and a a motorcycle with a basket full of people on the back pulled up and Kosi was right in the middle of uh, those people and he jumped out he had found a way to get to church he jumped out and came in and I looked at him kind of see if anything and he was he walked in like this you know what I'm t- he walked in like this and so in a way I was kind of like okay I, I could tell he was still guarding that wrist, and he stood, he stood among the men and just began to worship as well. With, on that platform, on that Sunday, two days after the first time I had prayed for him and, and nothing happened so far as we know, the Lord impressed me. Here we go again. And God said, go pray for him again. I said, okay, Lord, well, we're going to have prayer, you know, after service, and there will be an altar call, and we'll... And God said, God, is, the Holy Ghost is impressing me. I don't want you to make you think it was an audible voice at this point. It was an impression. No, go pray for him right now. So I did. I, I responded. I went down there in the middle of service. There I'm standing in the middle of the aisle. I'm already conspicuous. And, and, and so I say to him, Kosi, I want to pray for you again for healing. We believe that God can heal. I gently laid my hands on his wrist. I prayed a very simple prayer of faith. Faith is when you respond to something that God is impressing you to do. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. It was the who or the how, but I knew who. Amen. Simple prayer of faith. I opened my eyes and looked down at that wrist. I've never seen anything like this. Right in front of my eyes, I watched his wrist shrink down to its normal size. He seen it. He felt it and looked down. He fell on his face and started praising God. I seen he was on that wrist. He was worshiping. He began to cry. There was a pool of tears. Pretty soon after that, he got up and started worshiping. That wrist was all over the place. 
He was 100% healed, ladies and gentlemen. No more pain. That disease never returned, whatever it was. Coachy Michelle today, to this day, is a young pastor now in the nation of Benin. When you respond to the impression of God, when you respond to whatever it is God is having, you'll never know the result. You'll never know how that's going to spread God's glory out, who it's going to touch and affect. It's not just about you. So go ahead and respond. Can I tell you a story about my little Clover? Pastor says she's the star. (laughs) Clover, stand up. Clover is nine years old. She is tickled. You can sit down, baby. That's Clover. We were just at the General Conference, uh, our our organization's General Conference in Indianapolis. This was in September. I I suppose the date was probably about the 21st and um, the 21st night of September. That's when it was. Brother Tom got me there. So we we were in this service. It was the mission service. And, and uh, we're, you know, so we're sitting in the missionary section where they had us sit there in the front. And they were doing uh, uh, an I Am Global offering. And the preacher's up there preaching about giving. And, my God, it's moving on me. I know we're going to give something, absolutely. And we had cards, you know, to fill out to give an offering to, to missions, an incredible thing. And so we filled out our cards and, and we passed it in. Well, I didn't know this at the time, but at the very same time that God was moving on me, uh, impressing me to go ahead and give something sacrificial, God was impressing my little baby girl to give something sacrificial, something that she had never given before in church. We passed it in, and then right before the service ended, I think was the first time that my wife mentioned to me, whispered to me, that Clover gave $80 in that I Am Global offering. Now, I don't know. That may not be a big deal to you. That was a big deal to me. Nine years old, $80. She don't get allowance. This was money that she had saved up. She had just recently had a birthday. This is money that we gave her. Um, but she felt an impression. She felt an impression to give, and, and she gave. I said, okay, you know how it is. All right. So no one else knew this. My wife whispered it to me right before the close of service. We go, you know, thousands of people in there. I think they said that service was something like ten or 11,000 that night. We, at the end of service, we start making our way out. And right as we got to the back door, we seen a a pastor and his wife that we knew from South Carolina. And, oh, hey, and we came up. And and she came up to Clover and and just gave Clover a hug. And I seen her slip a $100 bill in Clover's hand. So then I grabbed her hand to see if there was anything left. No, I didn't. I didn't. You can't outgive God, ladies and gentlemen. And God Himself did something for Clover that day. He lifted her faith up that day in a way that that I never could. I can talk about faith all day long. I can talk about but you can't get out give God all day long. But it's God that's going to really increase our faith when we will respond and step out. So that day He gave her that money right back with twenty percent increase. God, only God. Have faith in God is what I'm saying. Have faith in God. Praise the Lord. What is God impressing us to do today? 
You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a, a minister, a deacon to, to feel the impression of God. No, no, my goodness. God is trying to use every one of us every day. And we got to get used to responding to that impression. You see, the more we ignore it, the less we'll feel it. I'm going to be honest. The more we ignore it, the more insensitive we become. Now, that's a principle, a natural principle and a spiritual principle. But the opposite is true as well. The more you yield to it, the more you give in to it and and respond, the more your faith is going to increase and you'll feel his direction more and more. You'll You'll hear that inside voice more and more as we respond and leave the rest results to him. Tonight we have an opportunity to increase our faith. We have an opportunity tonight to take a step higher in our involvement in God's mission and to experience God's provision and his power in a new and wonderful way. You should have with you, Brother Tom, I need one of those. I didn't get one for myself. You should have, I believe my Brother Tom here passed out to everyone a card particularly this one. One of them is a bookmark that just has a lot of information on it. But you should have one of these. Does everybody have one of these cards? If you don't, if you could raise your hand and we'll make sure that you get one. Pastor needs one, please. It should say faith promise on the front. That's the card I'm referring to. Amen. Tonight is a special service. It's a faith promise service. And tonight we will receive, at the end of this service, a faith promise pledge offering. Hear me. A faith promise pledge offering using these pledge cards. If you haven't already begun to read over it, please feel free now to open it up and begin to look at it as I explain further. There's some information. There's, you know, front and back. Feel free to begin to to read over it. Faith promise is a powerful, time-tested tool used by churches to fund their missions programs. This is not a new program. This has been around for decades. I'm telling you, missionaries are doing what they're doing around the world. UPCI missionaries are because of the Faith Promise program. It's been around for a long time. Churches are giving in a big way and supporting missions and building churches and and funding Bible school graduates and Bible schools, and it's happening through Faith Promise on the local church level. It's a way, a tool for churches to fund missions programs. Faith promise works because it's biblical. That's one thing we need to know that's very important. This isn't just another program. It's built on biblical principles, and it's faith-based. This service and this pledge offering tonight will increase the giving ability and the missions involvement of this local assembly. Do you want to increase the giving ability of this local assembly to missions? Do you want this church to to become more missionally involved here locally and around the world? This program is a vehicle for that. But it will do more than that. It will also increase your faith. I'm telling you it will. It will also increase your personal investment in missions, local missions and worldwide missions. Together with your pastor tonight, we are asking every church member to pray about an amount that God, not me, that God wants you to pledge 
by faith to missions tonight. I want to say that again. Together with your pastor, we're asking every church member, if you call this church your home, we're going to have a time where we pray at the end of the service and ask God, what do you want to channel through me tonight for the cause of missions? By faith. By faith. I'm not talking about something that you know for sure you can manage. I'm not talking about something that you have left over there on the side. Because frankly, as far as when it comes to faith building, that's not going to build your faith very very much because you did that. I'm talking about let God put an amount in your heart, in your spirit. I can't tell you what that is. Let God put an amount in you, in, a, in an amount that he's going to have to show up and provide if you're going to have it in your hand in the next 30 days to give it. And the month after that. It's a faith-building program. It's a faith-building program, and it works. I'm not ta- If you look at your pledge card tonight, you'll see. Everyone look there at the inside of the pledge card, the right side that has the white strip in it. If you look at that, you'll see that there's a place where you can put an amount, and then whether that amount is a one-time offering or a weekly or a monthly commitment. Now, let me say this. Most people find it easier to give their faith promise pledge on a monthly basis. And everyone, when everyone begins to give consistently the same amount on a monthly basis, that is going to allow the church treasury to be able to plan its mission giving. And that's going to allow the church treasury, when everyone is giving consistently on a monthly basis, it's going to allow the church treasury to plan its commitments based on what's been pledged, based on what is projected to come in regularly. Does that make sense? So generally, it's understood that this pledge, when you pledge it, will continue month to month, if you do a monthly pledge, for the next 12 months. And then about this time next year, the church could organize another faith promise service like this. And at that time, you would revisit or revise your commitment. Amen? What is God wanting to channel through you today by faith? This is an amount that you're committing to give as God provides it. This is not a program like tithes that's saying you need to bring this faith promise in and pay it first, and then if the, if the mortgage don't get paid, it don't get paid. Listen, that's not faith promise. That's not faith promise. Faith promise is saying God's giving you an amount tonight. He's impressing you with an amount tonight, and it's an amount that you're going to need God to pay. It's an amount that you're going to need God to provide. Test God out. Put God, on, put God on the line. He's going to provide. Now, when God begins to provide that amount, we need to be careful about putting it aside properly. When that, when that whatever the amount you, you pledge, $20, $50, a month, when, when that money comes into your hands, make sure that you remember that that was supposed to be your pledge and not running out and buying Extra Starbucks to go into Golden Corral. Do y'all have Golden Corral here? Amen. Because God's going to provide it. And when he does, your faith is going to be built up. And God will provide it. He'll provide it month after month in mysterious, miraculous ways. We've seen it over and over. So you make a monthly faith promise pledge today by faith. And, and, and you will give that a specified amount between now and the next 30 days as God provides it. 
and then each month thereafter for the next year. Praise God. Your faith will increase, and then those finances that you're bringing in to this local church treasury, it's not going to me. I want to make that clear. This isn't going to just for me and my family. This is local missions in this area as well as worldwide missions, the way your pastor and the treasury of this church see fit to spend it. Faith is doing whatever God is impressing you to do and then leaving the results up to him. And somebody's being impressed today. There's some people in here today I know because I've been through a lot of these services. And I know how God works. But I also know what's about to result because of your response to this faith pledge. Recently we met Pastor Robbie Knox and his wife Krista. They pastor in Madisonville, Kentucky. Y'all know that? Now nowadays this church... Uh, Greater Lighthouse. It's a thriving church. It is a missions-giving church. They give so much money to missions now, nowadays. Hasn't always been that way. But I heard a testimony from them some some 20 years ago. Before they were even, even pastoring, they were sitting in their very first faith promise service like we are today. And they held a faith promise pledge card in their hands like many of us are doing, and they were pondering what to do, what to give. Sister Knox had been suffering with a severe infection for a long time, and Brother Knox told me that she was taking round after round of antibiotics to no avail. Nothing was helping. They had wanted to start a family to to begin having children, but the doctor said they could not because their children, this infection would be transmitted to their children. What did God want to channel through them that day? Brother Knox had a monthly amount in mind that he wanted to give. But then he decided to ask his wife to see what she had in mind. Smart man. What he didn't know was in the meantime, the Lord had spoken, impressed. She used the word impressed, literally. God impressed Sister Knox and said, if you'll give this amount, I'll give you a child. See, I'm not promising you wealth today in response to what you're doing i'm not promising you that god's gonna give you a new car or a lear jet engine based on what you're doing what i'm promising you is that he'll provide that amount he'll provide you that amount that you put on there but then as well on top of that your faith is going to increase and when faith gets unleashed There's no telling what's about to happen in your life. On a spiritual level, there's no telling what this will unleash in your family, in your home, in your children, in your prayer life, in your worship, hallelujah, in your deliverance. Praise God. He said to Sister Knox, if you'll give this amount, he impressed in her, she said, then I will give you a child. And so Brother Knox leaned over and said, honey, how much do you have in mind? And she said, well, God said if we gave this, that we, he would give us a child. And the, this amount that she showed him was twice what he had in mind. But they got their pledge card out and they wrote down that amount, the amount that God impressed on her. And within two weeks, they said, of making that pledge, her infection miraculously and totally without explanation cleared up. She said that the, 
12 months later, at the next Faith Promise service, I wasn't able to be there because I was in the hospital having our baby boy, Houston. Hallelujah. Now, God allowed her to go into labor on the Faith Promise Sunday 12 months later. You know that was God trying to flex. You know it was God flexing. Hallelujah. Oh, that's who we're talking about. That's who. No one could have guessed the how. No one could have guessed the the, the how. But that's the who. Amen. How that must have increased their faith. Can you imagine? In Tracy uh, Tracy in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Tracy is a single mother and she has three kids. And she herself sat in a faith promise service one day. She said, feeling impressed to give a $25 a month pledge. Tracy said that she didn't have a clue where the money was going to come from. She was not receiving child support, and money was tight. But she filled out that pledge card. She responded in faith, $25 a month by faith, not knowing how, but knowing who. She said a few days after making that commitment, she received an unexpected check in the mail for eight times what her commitment was. She said it was extra money, unexpected money. It was eight times. Now, it was eight months worth of her commitment all at once in her hand. I'm telling you, God is going to do it, and your faith's going to be increased. A couple in New Hampshire. Now we're in New England. Now, this isn't just a southern thing. There was a couple in New Hampshire. Their name was Peter and Cheryl. I could give you the last name, but we'll. They were, they were business owners. And they said that they were sitting in a faith promise service one fateful year with their business failing. Their business was about to close. And God was impressing on them to give a pledge. Imagine. God was impressing them to give a pledge in the face of their life's work. Their livelihood shuddering to a close. How would this work? They did not know. But what did they know? They knew who. They knew who was going to work it out. They knew who was was urging them and impressing them. They mustered their faith that day and they gave that pledge in the face of all that uncertainty. They said God began immediately to turn things around that year in their business. They were able to keep that business open and faithfully give that pledge month after month. They said that year, not only did their company not close, but they, were, they did well enough that year to give every employee in that company a raise. That's the God we serve, ladies and gentlemen. When you respond to God in faith, The results are then placed in his powerful hands. And he can do what you could never do. He can do a how and a what that you could never do, I promise you. So when you respond to what he's asking in faith, you're putting the results in his hands. The how is placed in his hands. And it's going to work out in a way that will bless you, but everybody around you. Hallelujah. What is God impressing you to do today? Faith is responding to that impression. There was a couple uh, in, in Kentucky again. They were sitting in a faith promise service now, and, and, and they needed a new air conditioner. It gets hot in Kentucky. They needed a new air conditioner, and they had put aside this dear couple, this poor couple, had put aside $3,800 to buy that new HVAC unit, heating and, and cooling unit. 
And here they sat in the faith promise service, and wouldn't you know that God began to move on them about giving that $3,800. Take it out of the savings account and give it in the faith promise service. They both failed it independently. They said initially they didn't talk about what to give, and then they began to share their story and realized that God was impressing them both to do the same thing. How's that going to work? How's that going to work? You going to be hot all summer? Crack a window? Go get a box fan? That's how I grew up, sleeping with a box fan in the window, bugs coming in. They said it was a silent car ride home after they made that $3,800 faith promise offering. Emptied that savings account out. I'm not asking you to do that. If God is, you need to do it, but I'm not asking you to do that. He asked them to do it that day. Quiet car ride home. Both of them were wondering how it's going to work. Thank God they responded in faith. How's it going to work out? They parked their car in the garage, and they usually walked in the back door when they used the back door of the house as the primary entrance. So they said they got off the car and walked around the corner of the house, Pastor. And when they rounded the corner of that house, there in their backyard sat a big old brand-new cardboard box on a brand-new pallet. And it was a brand-new HVAC unit. It was a, a brand-new air I'm talking about the same day, the same day of this service. Brand new air conditioning unit, and on the side was an anonymous note that said, God told me to put this at your house. Hallelujah. True stories. True stories about who? I'm telling you true stories about who. Amen. Praise God. Let's take a trip all the way to Lahore, Pakistan. Oh, it's a third world country, and they're so poor. These people are so broke. You'd be ashamed to do a faith promise service there. You'd be ashamed to take up an offering and ask somebody to give in a place like this. Pakistan. Well, there was in Lahore, Pakistan, Brother Lyndon Shawn relayed this testimony. A church that had received funds from a U.S. church, probably from a U.S. church that had a faith promise service and had some money to send overseas. They had sent some money to Lahore, Pakistan, for them to build in this city a, a, a church building. Well, the amount that they sent was a great blessing, and it was they built most of the building but were not able to quite finish it. And so as they do, they would do the same thing in West Africa. They went ahead and just started having church in the unfinished building. Amen. But what they decided to do in Pakistan now, they decided to, to have a faith promise service in this Pakistan church to go ahead and, and raise the rest of the money to just finish the church building. And so that's what they did. They began to explain faith promise and, and began to say, you know, we're going to take pledges to finish this building. Well, one little old Pakistani lady stood up. Her name was Sister Safira. And, and Sister Safira said, can I say something? She said, I am a nurse. And uh, if you don't know, a nurse makes about $100 a month in Pakistan. She says, but as soon as you begin asking about pledges, I'm, I, God is impressing me that I need to give three months' wage. And they said that all around her, you heard moans and groans. It was a mixture of disbelief and, and disapproval. You know, not everyone is always going to agree with your response. Faith doesn't always make sense. She said, I'll give three months' wage. Well, Week passed. The next Sunday, they did not have quite enough money 
to finish the project from that faith promise service. So they said, you know what, we're going to make another ask the next Sunday and just and let them know how much more we need. Let's finish this up. So they asked one more time. Sister Safira stood up one more time again. She said, can I say something? Last week I made a pledge, and, and I, I pledged three months my wage. But then the next day I lost my job, and I was fired from my job. Moans and groans. She said, but that's not all. In the same week, another hospital contacted me, and I got a new job at a new hospital. And now at this new hospital, I'm making three times what I was making at the old job. So she said, I just wanted to stand up and say, I'm still giving that three months wage, but now it's going to be three times more that I'll be giving. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to know who. Can I tell you one more story? One more story. In Springfield, Ohio, there, I love this one. I love this testimony. There was an elderly couple there in in Springfield, Ohio, and the husband had severe diabetes, uh, and, and he just had a lot of disabilities. He had a lot of problems. He was beginning to go blind, and so he was drawing a disability check and his wife, in order to make ends meet, had gone and, and went and was, had a job at Lowe's, working at Lowe's. And so they sat in a faith promise service one morning on a Sunday morning in that pew, and they were looking over and over that card, reasoning it out. You see, this couple had wanted to put in a bid on a house. They had been wanting to buy a house, and they had been kind of pooling their resources, their very limited finances together for a down payment and, and, and such. Without knowing how it was always all going to work out, they went ahead and made a pledge by faith in that service today. And then the next day, they called up the realtor to make a bid on a house that they had been looking at. Now, they told the realtor when they called her up that they could afford to put a bid on the house for about $58,000. We're going to bid $58,000 on this house. And this really the pause. Can you imagine? She said, are you aware that this house is worth $177,000? They said, oh, okay. Well, we're going to keep our bid at $58,000, and we want the, the owner to put a new roof on it too. That don't make sense, does it? How? 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 $177,000 house. This couple's putting a $58,000 bid. And, by the way, they want the, the owner to go in and replace the roof. Do we have elders in here tonight that are still walking by faith? Do we have young people in here tonight? Do we have young parents in here tonight that are, that are still walking by faith? Do we have young adults and children tonight that are walking by faith? Without faith, we cannot please God. But by faith, I'm telling you, by faith. We're going to receive a good report. By faith, hallelujah, our faith is going to grow and grow. A few days later, that realtor called them back astonished. She said, you're never going to believe this. Do you believe it? That owner has accepted your offer. For He's going to sell this house to you. I don't know why. He's going to sell this house to you for the $58,000 you bid. He'll put a new roof on it first. Amen. They sat down at closing to sign that paperwork, $177,000 house for $58,000. And the lawyer said to them, oh, by the way, I don't think you realize this, but there's a six-acre parcel of land that's part of this 
this package. If you wanted to, you could sell that land and pay this house note off. And that's exactly what they did. Amen. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. That's who I'm talking about. You just respond to what he's impressing you to do. You just step out on faith, hallelujah, and leave the results to him. Hody, Hody doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I, I just want to share it. My son, Hody, his name's Hodavia. He's right there, 6'5", senior in high school. Now, we had a faith promise service, and I, I said I only had one more story. This is like a half story. So we had a faith promise service at our home church in January in Columbus, Georgia. And, and uh, you know, the same order of service. Well, I didn't know this, but my, the Lord was impressing, moving on my son to pledge $200 a month. Is that okay for me to share this? I'm already in it anyway. Preacher's kids, you know, you got to. The Lord impressed him to pledge $200 a month. Now, let me explain something to you. Well, I'll just say this. He didn't have it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have a job. Well, he did have a job at the time. He was working at Winn-Dixie, and he had saved up in his account. I'm telling all his business. He had saved up in his account about three months of that. So he's telling me this, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. As a parent, I think both me and his mother, we, I don't know that we verbally voiced it, but initially in my mind what I thought was, he don't have no money. What he had was about, he was working at Winn-Dixie at a grocery store, and he had saved up about three months of that pledge in his account. Now, we were about to leave on deputation, so that job was, it probably had already come to an end. It was about to come to an end. So he was making pledges on faith, like, you know, having, not being able to pay it. Knowing he wasn't going to be able to pay it, not in and of himself. And in my initial impression was almost like, that's irresponsible. See, that's the how. That's me trying to explain how. That's, but, but, but he had a clear impression from the Lord. Amen. And so I'm so glad I didn't open my mouth. I'm so glad his mother didn't open our mouths to discourage him. We just said, you know what? We, ultimately, we thought, God has done, we've done this before. We've been down this road before. Watch what God will do. I want to tell you that, that, that in his account, he didn't have four months or five months or six months, certainly not the 12 months that he pledged, but it's what God impressed him to do. And so that service was all the way back in January. He's been given that pledge faithfully. He has paid 10 months on time every month, 10 months of that pledge, $200, and, and we're not giving it to him. His mom and I is not paying this pledge for him. That has not happened not one time. But we have watched month after month God put that money in his hand to pay that pledge. And, and to be honest with you, he's received a little extra as well. But God's allowed him to pay it faithfully. He's got two, month, two more months left on that pledge. And you know what? He don't have the money to pay it right now. But we're not worried about where it's going to come from because we don't seen God do it over and over. God's going to provide it. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, five more minutes and I'm finished. I know you've been patient. First Kings chapter 17, verse 10 and 16. It sounds like I'm about to preach, but actually I'm, I'm finished. I just want to give you this one more passage. This is the widow of, of Zarephath, the story of the widow of Zarephath. And Elijah goes into this country. God had sent him there during this famine. 
No rain was happening. There was a great famine. And verse 10 says that Elijah arose and went to Seraphath, and he came to the gate there, and he seen a widow woman gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, now look at this. This lady responded right away to a request for water. Why? Because she had plenty of that. No problem, preacher. I'm going to go run and get that right now, gladly. <laughs> there's some things we know we could do right away. No problem. No sweat. No, no, there's going to be no sacrifice. There's something right now that you could probably pledge, and you know that you could bring it in every month, and there'll be no faith required, and God won't have to show up and show out. And that's kind of how this first request was. Could you get me a little bit of water? She said, right away, I got you right here. I got plenty of water over here. Look. But then things moved into a different dimension. It says, as she was going to fetch it, he called out to her and he said, And bring me, I pray thee also, a morsel of, of bread in my hand. Uh-oh. So now this, she kind of moaned a little bit. God ever impressed you to do anything? I already told you a few stories about me where he, ooh, come on now, God. She said, as the Lord lives, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have a cake. I have a handful of meal in a barrel, and I have a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm going to gather two sticks, and I'm going to dress it for me and my son, and we're going to eat it and die. My word. The faith of Elijah, first of all, in the face of what this woman has said. But you see, as a preacher, Pastor, when I look at this, I think, could I, after someone saying that to me, could I turn around and say, yeah, yeah, go, but going to do it anyway? That's a big ask. But here's why. Here's what I'm saying. It was because Elijah was not concerned with the how. He was not looking at everything, oh, oh, just a little bit of meal, and how's she going to spread it? How's it going to work? How's she going to put it all together? And, and they eat, and I eat, and they don't die, and that's the how, that's the what. Elijah was not concerned with the what and the how because he knew the who, and he knew the who very well. And he had seen the who work it out over and over and over. And so he said to her, fear not, lady. Now, somebody here is, is feeling an impression. Could the musicians come at this time? Somebody's feeling an impression from God. So God is asking somebody to do something. Maybe there's something that you've been praying about and he hasn't answered, and God is saying, pray again. Put yourself out there again. Maybe he's been telling you to go over and lay hands on somebody and speak a word of faith. You just need to go ahead and do it. And leave the results to God. God is moving on many of you right now and telling you by now what you need to be giving by faith in this faith promise service. And I want to say like Elijah said, fear not to do it. Fear not to do it. Fear not to do it. Go and do as you said and make me also a cake first now and bring it unto me. And then afterwards make for you and your son. And then look at this. For thus says who? For thus says who? The Lord God of Israel. Now why should you do all of this? Why should you respond? He said, because who said it? Because who's impressing you to do it? Because thus says the Lord God of Israel. The barrel of meal won't waste and the cruise of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. I want you to know from the time he spoke this until that famine ended, it was about a year. Well... 
she went and did according to what he had said. And she and her house ate for many days. And the barrel didn't waste. And the cruise of oil didn't fail. According to the word of the Lord. According to who? According to him. According to him it worked out. Hallelujah. Could you stand here with me? You cannot outgive God. You cannot outdo God. <laughs> you're never going to step. If he's asking you to do it, you're never going to step out and he won't catch you. Praise God. What is he impressing you to do? What is, what is your step of faith today? What is God, even in this faith promise, give God a chance to grow your faith. Give God a chance tonight and stretch you into a new dimension. I, I hope by now that you have an idea already of what God is asking you to do. We're going to do it this service. We're going to pray now. My brother here has brought up two baskets. Now, these baskets is to collect your cards. Now would be the time for, for you to begin to fill those out if you already feel a clear impression. But we're about to pray for God to give that to everybody. We're about to pray that God would make that very clear to you. And, and what we're asking you to do is when God makes that clear, when you feel that impression to you, go ahead and make that pledge by faith. These baskets are here for you to bring them up and, and put them into the collection plate by faith. And as you come and put that in the collection plate, why don't you tarry here and pray, amen? Because God wants to do some things tonight. God is trying to touch multiple dimensions, multiple levels. There's going to be finances touched tonight, absolutely. There's going to be bodies healed tonight, absolutely. There's going to be some minds healed in this place tonight. There's going to be some anxiety and some fear driven out of minds tonight, amen. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. As we begin to pray, we're going to pray right now. I wish that we would pray all over this place. What is it, God, that you want to channel through me? What is it, God, that you want to do through me right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, mighty God, have your way in this church. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray by the power of your spirit, God, that you would put a strong impression on your people. God, there's something that we ought to be doing by faith. There's a step now that we ought to be taking by faith. And you know what each one of us needs to do. You know where you want to take each one of us in this place tonight. God, I pray that you would make your impressions clear on your people. God, I pray that you, God, would make the voice of your spirit heard in our hearts, heard in our spirits right now. What do you want to channel through us, God? Hallelujah, God, I pray let faith rise in this house. Let there be a response to faith, hallelujah, Jesus Christ, to the salvation of our souls, to the salvation of our households, God, to the salvation of our finances, Lord, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, we bless you, Lord, already. We thank you for the results, hallelujah. We thank you, God, for the miracles, Jesus, that you've already ordained. Thank you, Jesus, for healing bodies in this place. I thank you, God, for healing anxiety and depression in this house in the name of Jesus. I thank you for healing joints and bones and muscles and tissue and disease in this place in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for healing marriages and relationships by faith. We respond tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you come, if you have your pledge cards, would you come by faith and drop it in this offering? And as you come, let's gather. Everyone, if we could gather at the altar tonight and let the Lord do something. Hallelujah. Respond by faith. Respond by faith. Hallelujah. And leave the result to God. 
Respond by faith and leave the answer to God. Watch God work. Watch God move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, we ought to thank him right now. We thank you, Lord. You know our need, Lord. You know our need, Lord God. 
And Lord, you're calling us to respond by faith. For when we respond by faith to you, Lord God, oh, Father, you will exceed all needs that we have, almighty God. We're thankful, Lord God, that you have called us to this service tonight, Lord. We're thankful, almighty God, that you know all things, Lord God. And oh, my God, we're going to trust you. We're going to operate by faith tonight, Lord God. For we believe in you, Lord God. We believe in the who, Lord God. We're not worried and concerned about how it will all work, Lord God. But we know, Lord Jesus, that you, Lord God, will work it out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, all your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Church, you know, just gathered here tonight, you know what I thought about as Brother Ritter began to minister, made me reflect back on what I talked to you about a couple Sundays ago, about how Gideon was ready to go to battle with 32,000. I'm going to tell you what I did as a pastor tonight just to agree with what Brother Ritter said. I looked around, I said, boy, we kind of light tonight. And, and as soon as I said, we kind of light tonight, he brought me back to Gideon. I said, oh, let me stop. Because we always reason and rationalize what we think or how we think it should happen. And God put in my heart to say, I'm going to raise some money among the few handful of people that is in here that if you had this place packed out. God is doing something. Obey his voice. Remember what we heard from the preacher tonight. I believe Brother and Sister Spriggs, Brother and Sister Spriggs, Brother uh, Spriggs attend Brother Lewis's church down in South Jersey. And he just decided he wanted to come by here tonight for Bible study, him and his wife. And I really feel impressed. Brother Ritter told a story that it's not always money. But given money, God is going to do something other than that. And Brother and Sister Spriggs, I don't know what it is. But I feel strongly impressed upon my heart that God is going to do something more than money. More than money. More than money. It's not so much about money. You're going to give, but God says, the giving is so I can release what I want to do in you. And whatever God wants to do in you, he's going to do it. He says, because you stopped by here just the right time. 
I impressed in your heart to go by and I'm going to do the work. You don't worry about how, but I'm going to do it if you will trust me. That's for them. I don't know about anybody else. I don't know what God has spoken to you, but I just know we said this, I don't know if it was this Sunday or last Sunday, that God was working on me about faith, about how it's just all about obeying his word, respond to his word. We're trying to make faith out to be some science, some, 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 some thought that we can work through and process and reason. And God is wanting us to know, no, it's simpler than that. What does, what does my word say? Or what did I tell you? Just do that. That's all it is. I don't need you to worry about evidence. I don't want you to have some kind of rationale or some reasoning or some way to figure out how it works. I don't need you to do that. I just need you to do what I say. And when you do what I say, I will provide the results. This is the beginning of more than what we can even ask or think or even imagine. God is going to do what he says he would do. All his promises are yes and amen. Church, you didn't, it wasn't your thought or your doing for the church God has placed you in and where God has taken you. It has nothing to do with you. He just decided that's what he wants to do in the church that he has placed you in. You can't try to figure this thing out or try to ask why. We just came off of a, 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 a capital a stewardship campaign for two years. We closed it out and we said, oh, we, we need some breathing room. We, we just gave so much. And God says, nope, that's not it. But this is different. Because most of us, when we made our pledge for our stewardship campaign, we kind of had it. I know what I'm talking about. A lot of us had it, or we figured out how we were, we were going to get it. This one is different. This is saying, God, put it in my heart, put it in my mind, and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make my pledge, and I'm going to give. As a matter of fact, just like the preacher said, some of us have made the pledge that we believe it's God and God is going to come back to you and give you more than what you have pledged. And now you're going to have to ask yourself the question, was that me or was that God? And you're going to realize what God wanted you to pledge is what God is going to bring to you. And your question will be to yourself, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to bring it? to the house of the Lord, or am I going to just pretend and just keep it for myself? This is about what God wants to do with you. It's not about your money. God wants to build and increase your faith. Ask yourself this question. Why do you want to increase my faith, God? Why would God want to increase your faith? Why don't he just leave you right where you are with whatever faith you have? Because what God wants to do in you, you don't know. I don't know. We don't know what God wants to do in us. But certainly what he wants to do in us requires us to have more faith than we have already. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. 
Lord, whatever you're doing, we humble ourselves and yield ourselves and submit to it. We will obey your word and your instructions, Lord God. Lord, I don't know the Ritter family. They just came our way through global missions. I said yes to them being here, but this was a plan of yours from before the foundation of the world. And here they are tonight, Lord God, just obeying your command. Now, Lord, I don't want to drop the ball. We don't want to drop the ball. Whatever you've sent them here to do in us, we want it to be accomplished. We want it to be accomplished. And so we humble ourselves. We yield ourselves in complete obedience to whatever you want to do. Lord, if we have not heard from you clearly tonight, come back to us again and make it clear that we will know for sure it is you and this is not rested upon man, but completely on the who, and that is you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the Ritter family. We pray that you will continue to bless them, continue to touch them, Lord God. Touch holy Lord God. And continue to work in his life that he can finish his pledge. And he will even get beyond what he has pledged. Touch Clover, Lord God. Use her, Lord God, mightily in the spirit, oh my God. Lord, Sister Ritter, use her, Lord God. Brother Ritter, use him, almighty God. That, Lord, many people will get to experience your salvation. They will get to experience your deliverance. They will get to experience your restoration and direction, Lord. Use them, Lord God. I pray an anointing upon their life greater than it's ever been, Lord. That they will begin to command and declare and prophesy by faith. And, Lord, the will of God will be done in the name of Jesus. Brother Ritter, you're going to stand before people. And while you have prayed for many people individually and personally, God is going to use you to stand before crowd and declare in faith his will. Declare in faith what he will do. And many, many thousands will experience deliverance and salvation and healing by your spoken words. Not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because this family answered the call and they go and put their life on the line. But, Lord, while they're putting their life on the line, it is you, Lord God, that will govern and guide and protect and open doors and make the way and provide for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No weapon formed against you, Ritter family, will prosper. No weapon formed against you, Ritter family, will prosper. God will prosper you. God will keep you. God will defend you. God will protect you. God will make the way for you. God will guide you. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you tonight. As we go from this place tonight, will you keep your hands up on us? Let your blessings, let your power continue to reign in our lives. And we will always give you the praise and all of the honor for all the glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name. In 
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have a great rest of your night. Don't stop it.